John 17, 6 to 26 says this. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're grateful for your word, and we're grateful for uh, this prayer that you prayed. This prayer for your church, for uh, your followers that would come, and your followers that were with you. God, we pray that as we look at this text, and 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 are encouraged by your prayer for us. That we would stand on the promises you give us within it. God, we pray that the unity that is found in the church in Clearwater would cause the world to believe.
Lord, you use us toward that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> So, um, uh, some of you know, obviously all of you know, we've been talking about it a, a bit already this morning about the send yesterday, and I got to catch a little bit of it online, which was fun uh, to see just a huge stadium filled with believers praising the Lord, and I couldn't help but be reminded of our passage today uh, that really speaks at what was, I think, the heart, uh, one major heart of that, of that gathering is that we are the body of Christ. The church is a big C church. It's not, uh, you know, restoration church against the world. It's the church of the body. Thank, thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, it is the body of Christ uh, who has all been transformed by a very simple truth that God sent his son to die for us, to restore us unto himself. And so it was just really encouraging, encouraging to hear the stories even from Jeff and some back from Kevin already who went, and I'm sure from Sandy and others who were there, about how impactful and how powerful it was to be there in a stadium and, and see. And I, I've had the chance to be, op- to be a part of like uh, similar things, and it's just so encouraging to rally around the simplicity of the name of Jesus. And uh, so this is really what this passage is all about. I mean, what it fundamentally comes down to in this prayer is Jesus praying for the believers to be one, to be, to be as unified with each other as they are with the Father in heaven, and perfectly so. And really, if you're looking for uh, sort of an evan- evangelistic calling out of Scripture, this is one of the main ones. Uh, the calling here isn't uh, uh, really to like go out through the streets necessarily, okay? It isn't to necessarily hand out lots of tracts. It, it isn't those types of things in, in this particular passage. Not so I'm saying those things aren't callings that people have. They certainly are. They most certainly are. But what Jesus calls us to in terms of evangelism out of this passage is unity in the body of Christ. Because if you go to someone and, and tell them, hey, Jesus can change your life, particularly in America, you're going to be like, yeah, church, yeah, Jesus, yeah, Christians, yeah, eh, no thanks. We've seen how they work together, and it doesn't seem all that great. <clears throat> See, the claim of the gospel is that the gospel reconciles us unto our Father and unto one another. And, and so I think what Jesus is getting at as he prays, Lord, if they would be one, then the world would know that there is a love, that there is a community that has enough grace and compassion for one another that they can change their lives, that their lives can be changed. So I think we're going to see that throughout this passage. There's two or three uh, sections in this, uh, two sets of prayers, one for the disciples particular who are with Jesus, uh, most likely the 11 and, and maybe some others that are in the room, um, and then a, another prayer that is for those who will believe through the word of the disciples, that is, those who will come in the future, the disciples of the future. And so we're going to look first at the two prayers and, and then at sort of the character of what they are growing in, which is really the name of the Lord. Um, so first, the prayer for the disciples. 
in verses 13 to 19, we see Jesus particularly praying for his disciples. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He has just sort of told us that his prayer is for uh, the disciples minus the son of destruction, which is why I'm saying this is for the disciples particularly. Um, But his first prayer for them is one for joy, joy fulfilled in themselves. I love this prayer, and it's going to develop as we go, but joy, I think, is a big piece of it. Uh, Joy is defined in in, um, American dictionaries as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. I like the, the, uh, the happiness part. I'm not so sure about exactly, but definitely the pleasure, uh, the great pleasure that you feel, the joyousness, I think that is, that is true. Um, I'm going to give a sort of at least a biblical definition of joy out of this prayer after we go through the various components of it. But, but Jesus' prayer for the disciples is that, that, that they will be full of joy inside themselves. Not just, uh, not just by someone you know, continuing to teach them, but inside themselves that they would be full of joy. So his, his first statement is, okay, I pray that they have joy fulfilled in themselves. Next, uh, verse 14. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Generally, I don't feel joy when I'm being hated, (laughs) right? It's not typically when I'm feeling joyful. Um, But again, the first thing he says is, I pray that joy may be fulfilled in them. Oh yeah, and I pray, uh, you know, I've, and by the way, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because of this. Okay, got to hold that in hand, right? Okay, so verse 15, he says, they're hated and... Verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. Not only are they being hated by the world, but also I don't want you to take them out of that. So, okay, I'm praying for them to have joy fulfilled inside themselves. And this world that hates them, I don't want you to remove them from it. Sound joyful. Okay. Um, So I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want you to keep them from the evil one. I want to keep them in the world, but protected from evil. He continues on. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So Jesus' prayer for his disciples initially, and and I think this component of it applies forward, but particularly he is praying it for his disciples who, who need it most at this moment, is that they would have joy in themselves and that in spite of the fact that they are going to be kept inside of a world that hates them, that they will be protected, that they would stand in their calling because I have sent them out, he says, and that they would be sanctified in truth. 
And the way in which they're going to be sanctified in truth is through the consecration of Jesus. Jesus making himself a holy, a holy sacrifice for them. One of the commentators that I'm reading on this particular verse said this of Jesus' consecration here. He says, Jesus dedicates himself to the task of bringing in God's saving reign as God's priest and prophet, his revealer. But the purpose of this dedication is that his followers may dedicate themselves to the same saving reign and the same mission to the world. He's asking that that this group of people would be sanctified in the truth that, uh, that the Lord's kingdom extends through sacrificial love, extends through the laying down of self for those things which are around us. And so to put all these little components together, right, that joy may be fulfilled in us, that we'd be kept in a world that hates our message, uh, that we be protected from the evil one who is apparently there attacking us. So not only is the world not liking our message, but also there is like a spiritual attack against uh, this that we need to be protected from. In the midst of this, I've sent them out to be sanctified in truth. Do you feel like that's a place of joy? <laughs> I think in, in, uh, if we define it as a place of great pleasure and happiness, it's not necessarily joy all the time in that definition. So I think what we can take as biblical joy is this. Biblical joy is the experience of the pleasure of God in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. Biblical joy, at least from this passage in my opinion, is experience of the pleasure of God in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. See, joy is when you're on mission and the evil one is attacking you, and in spite of the evil one's attacks, you are standing firm on the gospel and in the pleasure of God. Joy is finding yourself in the midst of a world that doesn't like your message, yet still being given the Holy Spirit confidence that your message is true and eternally hopeful, and be able to stand with great pleasure in God because of that. Joy is being able to stand in a mission uh, that, that is defined by a Savior who has given himself to bring you back to your Creator who is perfectly holy. When we experience biblical joy, it is when we're feeling the pleasure of God in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. God's desire is for us to be with Him, and we'll see that more in this passage, is to be with Him. The only way that we can be in His presence is to be made righteous. The only way we can be made righteous is through Jesus. His mission is one of holiness making us holy that we might be in the Lord's presence. The mission that he's calling these disciples to is not to remove them from a world of threats. He's not taking them out into an enclave where they can very easily care for each other and just uh, experience the love of one another and that sort of thing. His 
uh, mission is to call them to be protected from the attacks that are outside. Protected spiritually and physically. Biblical joy is the experience of the pleasure of God in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. That's the Lord's prayer for the disciples. God continue, or Jesus continues on in prayer for the believers that will come. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only. I don't ask for these disciples that are here among me, but also for those who will believe through their word. Verses 20 to 24, he's praying for those who will come to know the Lord's message through the disciples' word. His entire message his entire prayer for the believers that will come is focused on this idea of unity, which we have breached already. I don't ask for these only, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. His call to the church is that we be unified with one another so that the world would see the love and compassion that is in a unified body of believers. And it would long for that. It would desire that. He emphasizes this multiple times in these few verses. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, okay, the glory that God has given to Jesus. The glory God has given to Jesus. I have given to them. The same glory that God has given to Jesus. Jesus is giving that glory to the church. Okay? The glory of God is given to us. What is that glory? that they may be one, even as we are one. The glory of God is in his unity. And his unity is shared with his church, those who believe on the Lord Jesus and are reconciled unto the Father. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. His entire prayer and extension to the church that will come is that they will be unified emphatically that because of their unity, the world would see something that is transformative. <clears throat> see, I think um, there is a desire in the world for people to just be nice and good to each other. And there's this question that's always lingering, like, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> right? And the truth is, we have the answer. We, we have the, the power that is able to do that. 
the, our faith in Jesus, um, our faith in Jesus is one that overcomes our differences. And our faith in Jesus is, is one that overcomes our brokenness unto one another. Like, it takes into account the fact that I'm going to hurt you and you're going to hurt me. It takes that into account. See, it, it, it isn't idealism that says, oh, we, we're just going to all be able to be good to each other and there's going to be no wrong motives and no one's ever going to do anything wrong ever again. It's just a lie. That's not true. We're broken. We follow our own fleshly desires on a regular basis. And as a result, we hurt each other. Hopefully, you know, we're like being sanctified and growing in that and doing less and less of that. But the truth is, we all struggle with that. We all face that difficulty of, of overcoming our flesh. And what that results in is a brokenness that is there. But when you've seen God step into humanity and die for his enemies, you get a new appreciation for how powerful that community can become. I mean, again, uh, back to the prayer for the disciples, um, when Jesus says, uh, verse 16, or 17, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth, as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world, and for your sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. As God sent Jesus into the world, I am sent into the world. How did God send Jesus into the world? God sent Jesus into the world to die for those who hated him. To die for those who were his enemies. To die for those who were working against him. Therefore, if I am sent into the world by Jesus, who is sent in that manner, then in the community of Jesus, I am sent into the world with that same sacrificial love that will lay down myself for those around me who may even hurt me. Who will lay down myself for those who are in need. This brings unity. We recognize that we're broken and need of a Savior. And because of what we've received in Jesus, we're able to extend that in fullness of joy. Verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The glory of the Father is that he has eternally existed in love. Since the foundation of the world, he has been demonstrating his love to the Son and to the Spirit, and the Spirit to the Son, and the Spirit to the Father. Okay? It's been a relationship of 
perfect love and sacrifice unto one another. And he's inviting us to walk in that very same love. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. He's inviting us to be a part of that. He's inviting us to experience the love that comes from a father who is good and lays himself down for us. See, from the beginning to the end, Jesus' mission is to restore us to the heart of our Creator and our Father. And He invites us uh, to experience this in biblical joy, in an experience of His pleasure in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. Making His name known. At the very beginning of the passage and, and, and at the end, this emphasis on the name of God is given. Starting in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. Yours they were and you have given them to me. They have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words you gave me, and they've received them and and come to know in truth that I came from you and that they believe that you sent me. See, these disciples and, and us as well, what we have come to the knowledge of is this, that everything that Jesus had, he gave. And that everything Jesus gave is all that God is. And as a result, we know that Jesus has come from God because of what he has given, that he's given in fullness. And as a result, we believe that God sent Jesus into this world for us. Jesus continues on at the beginning of the passage in uh, verse 11. I'm no longer in the world. That is, he's already stepping forward to his sacrifice in his, in his mind, and his trajectory. I'm not in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. Jesus' mission has, from the beginning, been about revealing the Creator and our Father unto the disciples. And His mission continues in the very same way. Verses 25 to 26 say this. The very end of His prayer, He says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know You, I know You, and these know that You have sent Me. I made known to them Your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus says, I know you, Father, and I've made known you to them. And I, Jesus, will continually make your name known. 
It becomes very, uh, very simple for us to follow the Lord uh, and to extend His name when it's really all about just knowing what He's done for us. And each of us can testify, as we talked about even this morning in fellowship, right? That God has healed us. God has given salvation to us. God has taken us from one thing and changed us into another. God has given us eternal hope that is sustaining through this life. I don't know about you, but I can certainly say amen to biblical joy, experiencing the pleasure of God in the midst of protected mission of His holiness. I have experienced that. God is so, so good to us. It's not easy. And it's never the way we think it ought to look. (laughs) But it's always exactly personal. And always draws us into the love of the Father. The love that He has for us. So I want to go with these few things. I encourage us and challenge us to walk in biblical joy, to know and experience the pleasure of God in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. God desires you to be full of pleasure, to be completely pleased with the life that you're living, completely and fully joyful, And again, this doesn't look like simple happiness. This looks like purpose. This looks like vision for what God has gifted you and enabled you to do. This looks like uh, your body in motion and in action giving exaltation to God the Father who is holy. No one experienced the pleasure of God in the midst of a protected mission of His holiness. Will it be comfortable? No. You'll be attacked by a world that hates you. Uh, Will it be easy? No. There's a spiritual uh, uh, enemy that wants to discourage you day in and day out. I can testify also to that. It's not easy. But I can also testify to the fact that God is more powerful than that voice. That God is more powerful than any attack that can come against you in the world. And that when you experience that protection of the Lord and provision of the Lord, you know what biblical joy is. You know it is simply pleasing the Father with what He has given you to do. Second, this. Unity among the church is the catalyst for belief on Jesus among the nations. There's a reason we pray for other churches and other nations every single Sunday. It's because we believe wholeheartedly at our core that we have to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters across this city because it's not about us. It's about the Big C Church. It's about lifting them up and praying that they will be faithful to the gospel in every regard. The catalyst for belief, the catalyst for revival in our streets is a church that loves one another despite different buildings that we meet in, despite different angles of interpretation. 
It's a church that is solidly focused on the transformative love of Jesus Christ. Unified in that experience. Finally, this, um, the power of the church is the personal knowledge of God the Father's love. That which continues to give us strength. That which continues to move us forward is personally knowing how God has saved us. How God has loved us. How God has provided for us. You can quote chapter and verse all you want. Okay, You can know this thing inside and out. But if you don't know that God loves you and that God gave himself for you and if you can't testify to that in your life it's going to be very hard because our God that we serve is not some information it's not some knowledge base it's experience with a real person who has truly given himself up for us in a very real way And it's called us into a very real mission. Let us walk in biblical joy. Let us walk in unity among the church. And let us seek out wholeheartedly a personal knowledge of our Father in heaven and his love for us. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your word, and we're so grateful that you have called us to it, and we're so grateful that you are faithful to speak out of it by your Holy Spirit. Lord, pray our hearts would be encouraged about uh, the situations that we're each in today. That we'd be thankful for what you are doing in and among us. Lord, that we would get a very clear picture of what you have for us. Lord, grateful that you are a day-to-day God, that you don't show up for us just on Sunday, that you don't just show up for us in mountaintop experiences either, but each and every day your mercies are new. Each and every day, you have a purpose and a plan for us. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to continually rely on you for our strength and for our joy. And in confidence, we receive that which you prayed for us. We receive your joy. We receive the mission that you have given us. We receive your sanctification in truth. We receive unity in our churches. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We receive the name of our Father in heaven. May it be written on our hearts and our minds. We thank you for this all in Jesus' name. Amen.